Welcome back. This is Headful of Hannibal, your Baltimore-based Fanable podcast. This is Amy. I'm Jen. And we are back on track. We're back. Yes. This is actually... Uh, this is our comeback. <laughs> this is our comeback. <laughs> this is our comeback special. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are re-recording our episode about Hannibal Season 3, Episode 2, Primavera. We recorded this a little over a year ago, and then never released it because of everything. Yeah. <laughs> because of the world. And we felt like it would be better just re-record it because... We were not in a good space. <laughs> a good space at all. No. Who was? Nobody no, was no. in a good space back then. No. Um, slightly better now, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And... <laughs> We were, we were able to do it in person. Yes. And, okay, sorry, Ranger's just wailing on his chewy treat, so I wanted to check on that. Um, but yeah, so we are going to try this again and actually release <laughs> it this time and then continue to move forward with season three we of are. Hannibal. We're getting through it. Yes. To the end. The whole thing. And maybe beyond. Maybe it starts again. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We mentioned, I think, when two episodes ago, uh, that it's been very gratifying to see all the renewed interest from folks because yeah. of Netflix. Also, there is the renewed like chaos <laughs> online. Ooh, it's gotten kind of ugly. I think um, any attention is good attention. Mm-hmm. Although I know it's been it's been hard for some folks to deal with um, that have been attacked. Yeah, online and that sucks, but. Um, yeah, the, like all of the new articles coming out and everything. Like, yay! I, uh, I was saying to Jen when I was putting this together, I for some reason my like Google what you want to see news stories suddenly got with the program and has been like, here's tons of animal content. Uh, A lot of it uh, becoming out of the 30 year anniversary of Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah, and then the. Uh, yeah, the Netflix release. So there was, a, there's been a lot of stuff to look at and read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tried to just pull out some good things that I had um, got caught my attention. Um, but today, we are drinking kind of a half-assed version of an orange crush, I guess is what I call it. <laughs> it's just like we're in Florence. Well, it's San Pellegrino. So isn't that Italian? Yep. Okay. Got it. The orange one with vodka and some orange bitters. An orange crush is, I think, a Maryland is it drink? Huh. That is orange juice and usually something like Grammarnier and vodka. Often drank in copious amounts while having brunch, usually at the beach <laughs> or, or in like a rooftop bar in Baltimore oh City. Oh my god, brunch! Yeah, you can get them with different juices, but they're uh, real tasty and uh, real deadly. <laughs> If you're not careful. I got day drunk one <laughs> afternoon in the backyard. <laughs> but we're going to keep it a little more together today. Yeah. And then after we wrap up, I'm uh, going to try making us Korean uh, street food version of garlic cream cheese bread mm. where you take a roll and put like sweetened cream cheese in it and then dip the whole thing in like a butter egg garlic mixture and then <laughs> bake it. I've watched uh, YouTube videos of them making this stuff, uh-huh. and it's fascinating because it's just like this whole line. I'm sure you've seen them too, yeah. right? It's like this whole line of just cut up bread, and they're just like shoving stuff and <laughs> dipping in cheesy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it it could be good. I'm not making mine from total scratch. I bought like brioche style rolls instead of making yeast bread because yeast breads are tough for me. I'm mm-hmm. not real great with them. 
Um, though I did make some bow last year that turned out really good. Some like bow buns. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we're gonna try it. We'll see how it goes. It's not really thematic or uh, <laughs> spring oriented, but it might be tasty. <laughs> and if people are curious, I'll put up the link that I'm using. Did you see though? Um, somebody asked Brian recently what the um, the regional the cultural cuisines were going to be for the next three seasons mm-hmm. if he made them, and the last one was Korean. Mm. So he was thinking of taking them to Korea? I don't know, but it was it was Cuban. Um oh wait, it was Cuban, Korean, and then I believe like New Orleans mm. Cajun. I'm pretty sure. But I know Korean was in there, and the first one was Cuban. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And people were like, What? Interesting. Yeah. I mean I'm it, it's an interest. I think because we've tended to see the characters in sort of um, like older urban ver- environments mm-hmm. that thinking of them in like Seoul is very yeah. interesting because it is such a, I mean, not that Seoul is a new city, right. but such a. Um, uh, their urbanization has been so fast and drastic and high tech that it's like a very interesting way to think of them. Yeah, because Hannibal seems this, like such an old world European thing. And mm-hmm. like New Orleans makes sense because it's very French old world in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, hmm, wonder where he's going with yeah. that. <laughs> also, I find it interesting because I feel like a lot of times if they're going to put somebody in a modern urban Asian setting, they like places pick Tokyo. Or maybe Singapore? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. What would be interesting. Who knows what he was thinking. Get on it, folks. Make it. (laughs) Make it. And then I'll have lots more tasty foods to, to, I mean, I'm going to make tasty foods anyway, wherever it comes from. Um, A holdover question I had from the first time we recorded this is, so how would Will and Hannibal be doing in this, our COVID pandemic world? Like, or would they still be holed up in their Canadian shack? dead by now. They would have at each other's hands. Yes. <laughs> That's the only way this ends, honestly. Yeah. One way or another. Somehow, like, I don't know, maybe they would have gotten their vaccinations early. Like, Hamill would have, like, stolen. He would have stolen, like, a, yeah. a shipment, defrosted them, given them out to people for free. Absolutely. For, for him and Will. He would have been, like, up in Hopkins stealing shit. Yes. Um, I don't know. Or maybe they would just retreat to their uh, shared mind palace for mm. a year or so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you still got to take care of yourself, but <laughs> they would have to have separate mind palaces so that they could, like, get a little break from each other. No! <laughs> Amy, get the program. They're conjoined. Uh, Jesus. Everybody needs a break. Um, also a holdover from a year ago was a tweet that had come across my feed somehow from a user, Piwacket, that said they remembered a Tumblr post I read where the OP talked about that scene in Dolce where Hannibal says, I would have liked to have shown you Florence and how it was an ancient uni- euphini- euphemism for gay <laughs> anal sex. And I'm, <laughs> and the term is Florence then. And oh. I found a reference to it in a book called Sexuality in Medieval Europe, Doing Unto Others by Ruth Mazo Karas. Oh. And uh, yeah, apparently yeah. it was when they talked about sodomy in particular between men. That was the term. <laughs> I was like, damn, Florence. <laughs> damn. 
Uh, also from a year ago, we want to still thank Janice for pointing out the AXN Korea Hannibal promos oh that were specifically geared for Fanables. I, you know, I watched those last night again, and I thought to myself, like, I don't think anybody understands Hannibal and Hanagram like South Korea, <laughs> because this shit is amazing. That part where the scene where Will is in his... Hannibal's living room having his seizures mm -hmm. and Hannibal peels his eye open and they put a little heart emoji. <laughs> there was also one I forgot what no. the, what the picture of Hannibal was, but the one of Will was him like I think it was curled up on his side getting enveloped in liquid, uh -huh. except there's like a glittery effect over the whole thing because they're like nude or almost nude in both photos. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, whoever made this, like, we're on the same wavelength. It is the Hanagram edit that everybody deserves. Yes. Um, they are on YouTube. There is a season two. They were basically like promos for the seasons. And they also show picked like people at conventions and yeah. cosplaying and yeah. everything. It is delightful. Um, the season two one was uh, reposted by a YouTube user, uh, Asinfina. So this season on Hanagram, I mean, Hannibal watches the two leads sing K-pop songs about being confused and in love, break up over something as silly as ear down throat shoving, and Alana <laughs> getting between them leads a doubly heartbroken will to seek vengeance. It had nothing to do with the whole murder thing, you see. Oh, and quote unquote, sexy battle. Sexy battle. Yep. <laughs> and I'm also going to link to the... Uh, a video for a season one promo and then the AXN Korea's entire Hannibal list of videos. <laughs> if you're feeling a little down, it's really great. They'll prick you right up. They, they get it. Those people get it. Yes. Um, oh, I put the wrong date on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> my note in the, my note here says NPS classical blog post from 2021. That's not true. No, it's an NPR classical blog post from 2012. Time is meaningless. <laughs> totally meaningless. Um, <laughs> an article, Hannibal Lecter's Guide to the Goldberg Variations by Jeremy Denk. I don't know. I think this popped up through Google. Mm. Uh, it talks about the use of the Goldberg Variations, in particular in, in Silence of the Lambs. And... He talks about how classical music is rarely used in cinema to express the actual emotion implied by the work in question. Um, the aria is meditative, elegant, plaintive, tender, and not particularly bloodthirsty. Cunning, evil directors almost always use classical music as an ironic foil, a tool for disassociation. This perpetuates a stereotype. Classical music is unnatural, mm. which I think very much plays into the all of Hannibal the TV show, like, it's used to that effect mm -hmm. a lot. Um, in Silence of the Lambs, the author points out when Hannibal is trying to give Clarice clues about Buffalo Bill and how to find him. He emphasizes first principles, Clarice, simplicity. And the author says, this laser focus on first principles, the nature of things, makes us understand why Hannibal is such a Bakian. Much of the Goldbergs has that virtue of getting back to basics, uncovering the potential of intervals, elucidating possibilities of composition. Bach is teaching the world in a way the pieces lessons are still being learned. Gets a lot more technical from there, but it was cool because it's such an 
iconic piece of music mm-hmm. in the film and for the TV show mm-hmm. that, yeah, I really liked reading it. I'm like, I don't understand everything this person, they are a professional, right. professional musician. That, right. So I don't get all of it, but I like seeing people who know their stuff talk yeah. about it. Uh, something that came up fairly recently was, I just recommend reading this entire article. It was Empire Online uh, with Edgar Wright. I really put my notes to bad. They're just not good this time. They're perfect. <laughs> my favorite ever cinema experiences. And he talks about uh, his favorite things seeing live. And he mentions Silence of the Lambs and just the absolute like literal silence or horror <laughs> happening in the movie theater. And he in particular talks about when Clarice goes into Buffalo Bill's house and sees the moth sitting on mm-hmm. the spools of thread mm-hmm. and how people like physically reacted. Yeah. It's such something that seems so minor, but at that point you understand ex- mm-hmm. everything that's mm-hmm. happening. Uh, but yeah, so I know he mentioned Mad Max Fury Road also. Yeah. He said he saw it like, four times in one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was like, because he, I think in particular is talking about the whole chase scene and when they go into the dust storm. And I do remember when that whole scene wrapped up. Yeah. The feeling in the theater of like a, a collective exhale, like that movie so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the, um, what is it? The silver and chrome version? The, the black and white the version? black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I specifically bought the DVD with that version on it because I wanted I wanted all of them. Yeah. <laughs> we saw it um, at the Senator. Mm-hmm. And it was packed. Mm. Like, people came out for it. It was really good. It was so good. Uh, I... Can't remember when this was posted, but Flying Rotten's Bambi Hannibal crossover <laughs> art, Bambable. <laughs> just saying it makes me laugh. They are just the most creative, amazing artist that just yes. does exactly whatever they want to do. And I think it's so fabulous. I was like, how did they make art that both looks exactly like Disney's Bambi and is definitely both <laughs> Will and Hannibal at the same time? And it's a little three panel comic. Uh, and it's, it's funny. So I will put the link to that. They're amazing. Uh, there was a Tumblr post. I have no idea when it's from. And I don't think we talked about this before. Hannibal screenshots and Andrew Wyeth paintings. Well, we talked about it. Um, there's another article that talks about not Andrew Wyeth, but uh oh, it Hopper. Yes, and um, I remember we talked about that one a while. Ago. Yeah, because they talk about Nighthawks at the diner, and mm-hmm. or is that the Tom Waits? Anyway, <laughs> it's been it's been a long year. I just was not prepared today, apparently. But um, but yeah, this is interesting because they they just like the screenshots are very. Mm-hmm. I never realized that. Yes, and for people who are unfamiliar, Andrew Wyeth, I pulled this from Wiki, uh, was a visual artist, primarily a realist painter, working predominantly in a regionalist style, and he is one of the best known U.S. artists of the middle twentieth century. He worked. Uh, semi-local to us in Pennsylvania. And there is a museum in Chadsford, Pennsylvania called the Brandywine River Museum of Art. And his father, and then Andrew, and then his son, and I think some grandkids are all artists. Mm. So this uh, museum has a lot of their work and is also includes like there's uh, 
I guess you'd call it multiple campuses almost. That includes some of their homes and studios. So you can go to the art museum and then you can go see the Yeah, it's really beautiful. I've never been. Oh, you should. You would love it. I want to go. It's closed yeah. right now for, I think they took the opportunity this year to do renovations. Mm-hmm. So it's closed at the moment. It's right next to Longwood Garden. So it's a really nice uh, oh. day out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really beautiful. He was, all I remember is he was obsessed with some girl. Mm-hmm. And like when he passed away, they found like all these paintings of her. Helga? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very sort of, his style with these are I don't know they're sort of a to me I look at them and and because I'm seeing them many years from the years they were made Mm -hmm. sort of a nostalgic Mm -hmm. feeling to them I think because of the colors and the sort of starkness yeah yeah there's like a longing and a loneliness in all of his paintings yes but so good stuff I recommend this Tumblr post because you really it's the way that a lot of stuff in Hannibal shot has that same sort of feeling. And in mm-hmm. particular, you know, they'll put like paintings of a house versus Will's house. And yeah. you can see that same sort of feeling, which when we went there, I was like, wow, I feel like I could be in our region. Like, yeah, where it was set very yeah. much looks like here. And when we were there in the fall, yeah, it gives that same totally feeling. like farmland in the mid Atlantic. Yeah. Yep. Um, next up, the Vanity Fair February 2021 interview with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins is a must read. So good. So good. They're awesome. Both of them. Jen, you were saying that you really liked the... Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they 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 really responded to a lot of questions about Silence of the Lambs and their like how they approach the characters, which I found really interesting because I haven't seen them talk about that like ever or for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um and Anthony Hopkins was talking about Hannibal and realizing that he had to play him as this gentleman who was really smart and actually a good person with a I forget what he, he said, said an insane an brain insane brain yeah. yeah so um I was like oh that seems so right on and so close to how Maz was talking about him too in in stuff. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Was that the same one where they were talking about how Jodie Foster? I think I think it was the one where she was saying how Hannibal ne- would have never done anything to Clarice, mm-hmm. but any dude he totally would have. Mm-hmm. But he respect even at the same time that he sort of needled her and it seems like disrespected her. Mm-hmm. He never would have done anything yeah. to hurt her in a way that he would have to any of the dudes around him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. And it's nice to see people who they like, both talk about how, you know, they get people or like say a thing or do a quote or say something to them. And they're both like, that's fine with me. Right. Like, I paid my bills for a long time. Yeah. And they're like, and it's well, yeah, he talks about doing Hannibal, the film yeah. and be like, yeah. well, it paid some medical bills. Yep. So, yep. Um, but just that they uh, I mean, that they liked doing it and they liked working together and they mm-hmm. liked the characters mm-hmm. and even this far out from having done it. Yeah, it's a really good article. Highly recommended. Next up, we may have mentioned this before, but Gavia Baker-Waitlaw, who does the Overinvested podcast, writes for The Daily Dot and has blogged and writes fic as Hello Taylor, has a 
YouTube, I guess, I guess called it a vlog, called Behind the Scenes, Seams, S-E-A-M-S, uh, which is in particular about costuming and things like that in TV and movies, and has an episode, Dressed to Kill, the costume design of NBC's Hannibal that came out earlier this year. Uh, I recommend it. Gavi has a really good uh, perspective. She's a fan of the show, so mm-hmm. she's not just watching it like critically. She's also watching it as a fan, but mm-hmm. manages to like really make some good points about it that I forgot to write any down. But I remember, <laughs> shoot, it was something about getting like the show gets the viewer to agree with something of Hannibal's, if not his morality. Mm. But, and she talks about the particular like way they're costumed and how it's used to convey different uh, themes and different character points. Like she points out the whole thing, like with Bella, where when we see her, she's originally dressed all in white Mm. And then we see her in black and white as this character who's in between life and death, and then in all black. Oh wow! As her, I think it might be all in that same scene where they have dinner, and she's in that beautiful white draped dress. Yeah. And then she goes to Hannibal's office, and her dress is white in the front and black in the back. And then at the end of the scene, when she tells Jack that she's dying, her mm-hmm. outfit's all black. Oh my god! I never realized that. Yeah, I'd seen that pointed out somewhere before, and it might have been by Gavia. But I have to watch the rest of her series. Mm. But that one was really good, if you want to check it out. And last, I don't know how this popped up. Because it's from 2018. But it was a fic, A Crack in Time, by a vegetarian <laughs> cannibal. That is incredibly silly. It's ridiculous. Very short, time travel AU, where Jack comes back from the future to save humanity. I'm not going to say exactly from whom, because it kind of... I mean, it's kind of a spoiler thing, but I just had to quote, all right, so you're from the future, but if you know so much, then you have to know I'm not attracted to Dr. Lecter. Not like that. Jack sighed. Yes, you are. And this was the night you realized it. You've had a semi ever since you saw him save that man in the ambulance earlier today. (laughs) Will gasped. That was just the excitement, wasn't it? Yeah, the excitement of seeing that sexy, skilled man up to his elbows in blood, Jack said. Now get over to his house and bend him over his kitchen island. That's great. And you know, if that had happened, there would have been no show. There would be no show. Um, yeah, and the author's note at the end of that, that they're just like, this was a challenge that I wrote stream of consciousness and did not edit at all. I have no idea what why this came out of my head. It's pretty good. It's, it's the little detail. There's little details that I don't want to give away that yeah. are hilarious. That's and funny. it's literally like, I think like 1500 words or something. So check it out. It's great. So I think we are ready to move on. We were covering Primavera today. Primavera. Yay. Um, I found a great long post from... I don't I realize I didn't check if this was a blog or a uh or a um like an online magazine or something movietime.guru there's a whole blog post. I think they do maybe all the episodes I have to check it out more, but this is one about Primavera. Oh yeah. Uh that I will link and recommend. Mm-hmm. And in it they talk about why because the 
the name of this uh, in an Italian meal. This is actually, I think, the Primero course, the first course. Mm-hmm. So why Primavera? Well, Primavera because it's relating because to this painting. work of art that uh, that Hannibal loves. And why does he love that work of art? Why is he obsessed with that? And especially like that one little corner of the painting yes. that he that they go into in this episode. Yeah. And I didn't write down the exact it was the a myth of was it Chloris, I think was the nymph, and Zephyrus is yes. the god. Yes. And he wants her and takes her in those Greek And then she turns ways. into like the goddess of flowers yes. or whatever. She becomes Flora, the goddess of flowers. So the idea of also the post points out the Lita and the Swan painting in yeah. Hannibal's dining yeah. room and the idea of gods elevating mortals and Hannibal as projecting himself as this godlike character yeah. and trying to constantly elevate these people and finally someone thinking yeah. he's found it with Will. Well, and I mean, th- this episode has so much to do with that with God talk and <laughs> they go to the um, the chapel and, you know, Will's talking about Hannibal and, you know, seeing the the church crumble and all that, you know, it's it's like all God talk, right? Um, and I really liked that article that you linked, mm-hmm. but I also, and I mean, everybody has different readings of it, mm-hmm. but I always felt like the Lita and the Swan thing and the, the um, Primavera thing were more along the lines of Hannibal being pissed off at God for being like that. Um, and especially because they, Maz has said he's playing him as Lucifer, and Lucifer is the adversary of God, and possibly the adversary of gods in general, um, picking on humans and ruining their lives. And Lucifer's always been like the the one to be sort of on the side of humans and not gods. Um, like I feel like Hannibal sees him, himself more as like the liberator of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to liberate you from being attached to this this these people that play with your lives and tell you what to do. I'm going to like make I'm going to show you the light basically. Mm-hmm. But that's just me and my luciferian bent on everything, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, it is like a nice I think it does give a good way to be like, yeah, why this piece of art? Why is this? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Does it at all play into the books? I know in the books that Hannibal is obsessed with that physics book about the nature of light and the nature of time. And they Mm. talk about that a lot. And that's like his whole notebook writing Mm -hmm. about like, you know, these weird um, math problems about reversing time and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if Lita the Swan is ever mentioned or any of that stuff. I mean, the, the, Church crumbling is straight yeah. from the book. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, yeah, I think Hannibal sees himself as an adversary to God. Mm. And like that leader in the swan thing is what, what's really interesting, though, is he kind of he is, though, right? He's much more like those gods that meddle with mm-hmm. people. But I don't know that he sees himself like that. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. But the uh, but it was a good way to frame like, 
it's one of those things where you're sometimes you're so immersed in the show that then I be I'm like, well, wait, but why? Right? Why yeah. is this such a big point? Yeah. Why yeah. does this matter? Yeah, it's a good read. Oh, but so we start out this whole episode. They show again the whole ending of Mizumuno, which hits so differently. Like with the with the different music, yeah, and because it's a reshoot, right? I mean, it's not it's not just. I don't know if they reshot it or if they did uh, any sort of editing editing just to kind of. Well, Will delivers the one line Mm. differently, so I I think they did a reshoot. Oh, because I think I remember. um, Wait, did they reshoot it with all that blood, or did they just do several takes on it and then pull one out for later? I think Hugh Dancy said something about they had to replace all the floorboards because they were so moldy and soaked with blood oh. with fake blood mm-hmm. they had to replace them to then do it again and soak the whole floor all over again like with blood like <laughs> six months later or something yeah um but but they didn't do because like i think the first shoot was like all all evening long and then mm-hmm. the second one was like i think shorter yeah just to get those lines differently mm-hmm. um so yeah, I'm pretty sure it was most. I can't imagine having to do that all over again, uh, like to act it to do all the effects and everything. Oh my God, Jesus! But that's the th- like talking about how if Hannibal does see himself as someone who meddles in people, Will is basically like, "Fuck you, dude! Right? Like, I've done the same thing to yeah. you. So you think you're in charge, and you're not. You're not. <laughs> like you're totally not." And Hannibal's like, "Oh my God, I think I'm in love." <laughs> No, I'm not changing. No, no, we're like too late, too late, too damn late. I tell you, I mean, I haven't watched a Hannibal episode for a very long time, and I've been in untamed space as far as reading a lot of fanfic and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and watching this episode last night, and it starts out with Miss Mono. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you watch Untamed, and you're like pain, and then you're we watch Hannibal, and you're like, oh no, here's real pain. I'm like back in it right here. Like all you need to do is watch any little section of Mizumoto and you're like, had a grab. It also in the way after watching, after, after seeing how uh, bloody violence is done in the K-dramas and C-dramas, mm-hmm. bits of C-dramas I watched it. And I think it's Korean film aside, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it's often shown is they just can't do it in the same way. Like, I think because of censorship, yeah. not censorship or guidelines, you know, like TV guidelines. Right. So watching this, which is just like gory and like soaked in it, as opposed to like somebody got their arm cut off and there's like a little bit of blood. And it's blurred out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is their limb all blurry? Oh, it must have been cut. Yes, it's been cut <laughs> off. And that's when I first watched K-dramas. I'm like, why is that knife blurred out? Although I have to tell you, I think it's different now that there's stuff going straight to Netflix. Mm. Because Sweet Home is not like that. There's blood all over the place. Yeah, But I think that's because it's on Netflix. That so it's be. not on any uh, normal television station in Korea, I don't think. I don't know. Or it's also different between their, like here, like between their cable and their non-cable. Right. Yeah. Stuff. Because I've seen cigarettes blurred out. And, yeah. <laughs> but I've seen a thing where a knife was blurred out, but then somebody got like, like wailed on that or ha- hammer to the head or yeah. something. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was, uh, 
come and hug me, which sounds like a romance. And there is a romance, but there's also the lead character whose dad's a serial killer. <laughs> they should have renamed Hannibal, come and hug me. Yeah. <laughs> and then stab me. <laughs> and, and then throw me off a cliff. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, sorry. Um, and then all all these parts with Hannibal or with Abigail, yeah, all the parts with Abigail. So because I, I mean, like I remember watching this the first time and being like, "Wait a second, yeah, this can't be right. This can't be right." But I would like it to be right. That's mm-hmm. the thing that's like, I think can be hard as a viewer, and also hard when you think about Will. Like, like he. I don't think he's fooling himself, mm-hmm. but wow, I wishes I bet he wishes that he could. Yeah. And I like the talk about like the multiverse, like Yeah. That that is it's so typical Hannibal dialogue that I I can see as especially as I watch like season three, I'm like I can see why it dropped in viewership, why people kind of pieced out. Um and it's like it's the best season, I think, mm-hmm. of season three, but um I can see why people are like, this is confusing. I'm just- <laughs> I actually ended up, I watched this and then I was on Reddit talking about a K-drama that I just finished watching and it has time travel in it. Mm. And I, somebody was like, wait, I'm confused about this thing. Why it didn't happen a certain way. And I was like, well, I think they're pulling out the grandfather paradox. You can't change something in the past mm-hmm. or you'll screw up the future. Mm-hmm. I was like, but at the same time, that doesn't seem to happen. So I think they're talking multiverse. And I was explaining, like, talking about it. And I was like, I think I just geeked out really hard on this Because <laughs> I was thinking about the Hannibal episode. There's a lot of different ways you can do time travel, for sure. But it also, like, I mean, in a way, talking about you can never do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's the sort of, like, you can absolve yourself by being like, I can never do anything right wrong. But you also have to be like, but you're always guilty because you'll never do anything right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't mention that part. Yeah. <laughs> There's another nice Will Graham somewhere yeah. on Archive of Her Own doing yeah. nice things. <laughs> it's, that's not going to be me. <laughs> it's not here. It is not here at all. And it's the, like, her voice as... Her her voice is his own guilt. Mm-hmm. But I'm also the thing of like, like he feels guilty, but I'm, and, and I think he feels like it's my fault. She's dead. I'm like, you didn't fucking kill her. No. <laughs> like you did not. And you were doing in a way what you thought was right. right. What he did wrong was, I think, making the whole like reeling in Hannibal too personal. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he put her in the line of danger. Yeah. He let way. himself get emotionally involved in a way that yeah. you shouldn't in these situations. He used her as bait. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he did not pull the knife. And it... Uh, yeah, but it's fascinating to go back and, and listen to her dialogue as just Will's head. Mm-hmm. And you realize that Will's just like... Yeah, I'm just going to go see Hannibal. (laughs) I give up. (laughs) Can't stay here. Oh, well. (laughs) The... And I took the office dream 
mm. as him really starting to share like the mind palace space with mm-hmm. Hannibal mm-hmm. and being able to like see all the different perspectives of it. Yeah. So sad. And then we have eight months later at the Norman Chapel in Palermo. <laughs> And this is a lot of the God talk. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole thing. I know people talk about this, and I think they do in that uh, long article. Does the priest actually see Abigail? Because he looks right at her. Right. Yeah. I'm part of me wonders if it was just put in there as sort of an audience, like diversion to sort mm-hmm. of reinforce mm-hmm. the fact that maybe she's real. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also wondering if it's the. It's almost a thing of like how you can sometimes almost see that people are being followed by something, even yeah. if it's in their own head. Yeah. Well, in the um, I know some people like to make associations between Hannibal and Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Dexter books, he talks about his dark passenger. Mm. Um, and yeah, I always think of it as like the priest is able to kind of see that Will's got this like darkness to Mm -hmm. him yeah because at first i didn't i wasn't sure i was looking at it and thinking like they say eight months later and i was trying to figure out if they were actually in the chapel at that point but then when the heart shows up i think posi or somebody says like oh you've been coming around here often because at first i was like are they not actually there and he's thinking himself there Mm -hmm. um but yeah then he says like i guess that's the you don't see it like at first you see Hannibal put the heart there in the last episode, mm-hmm. and now you're getting the fill in that like oh he probably picked it not just randomly but he's known he that knows that Will's been showing up yeah a bunch you can see him lurking <laughs> in the corner um and I think something that kind of points to like a clue about Abigail not being real in here is, is I notice she is a much like craftier, cynical version of herself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like she's really like the way they wrote her and the way Casey will deliver her is very much like the cynical side of will. Right. The salty will Graham. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love Cause you see her in the first She's definitely smart and a bit conniving in the in the first season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this just has that edge of like bitterness and yeah, world weariness. You're right. I guess if you get like killed, somebody <laughs> slit your throat twice. And, <laughs> and I wanted to, so I don't forget about it. I am going to link to a really good short fic called Piano Forte by Magical Destiny. I think I might have mentioned it before, mm. but it is about Abigail being sequestered in the cliff house in between her first death and her second oh. death. It is very good. It's not serious, like 3,000 words. Uh-huh. Um, it has a very sort of melancholy feeling to it. Oh, I have to read yeah, that. Yeah, it's like in, in her a, head. That's such a good time to write about. Yes. And apparently the writer is, I think, a music teacher. Hmm. And... Uh, so talks about the difference between like a harpsichord and a piano because pianos were called piano fortes at first, and um, 
kind of how they operate and said at the end, like, you would, wouldn't know that fluff is like my favorite thing when I write about these super sad things. <laughs> but it is very good. I recommend it if you want to get up in your Abigail feelings. Mm. Um, so then we have Putsy's finally introduced. And he's like, oh, such an asshole. <laughs> he's the Italian Jack Crawford. He's also another like fake Will Graham. <laughs> fake Will Graham, Italian Jack Crawford. He's like... Because he says the thing, like, you and I are like each other. It, it, Will's just emanating, like, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> because Will has been through a death initiation. That's why. I mm-hmm. mean, Will is, like, on the other side of it at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... Um, and all Patsy did was, like, fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Will's like, dude, just leave. <laughs> just get out. Yeah, because he's like, we share this gift of imagination. And Will's like, oh, no, I got more than that <laughs> going on. Dude. <laughs> And I don't remember the character very much from the book, but I do remember just like an arrogance. Yeah, he was kind of arrogant and just like, I th- I think in the book they talked about how he had just been sort of passed over and just wanted out and realized that like the entire police force was kind of corrupt. So he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to be corrupt too yeah. and get that get out because i don't remember if it happened i guess we'll, and we'll see it in the next couple episodes but he basically doesn't he base he is working for mason well he yeah he sees it. the number and calls mm-hmm. and then yeah and sets that up. And I can't remember if he does it in the TV show or not, too. Or yeah, if yeah. He's de- he does do it in here. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. It's been so long since I've watched these episodes. Yeah, they show him calling. It's like, you're greedy. You're not, and you're not doing it. Like, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that Hannibal never would have taken him out, but like, I think particularly once he decides to align himself with Mason and, mm-hmm. ha- and introduces that greed, that that really takes him down. Yeah, and everybody warns him. Will warns him. Hannibal warns him. Hannibal's mm-hmm. like, here's your ancestors, and here's what they did, and here's how they ended up. Yep. Here's a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> about what's going to happen to you. What I'm going to do to you. <laughs> and the guy still goes for yeah. it. So, you know. He's like, but the money and the fame and the <laughs> overlooked at work. Getting overlooked at work really is a number on people. Yeah. Um. So, Jen, tell us, what was the Three of Swords signify again? Oh, well, the Three of Swords is tarot card. So it usually um, signifies um, loss and regret and um, forgiveness and all those things that this episode is about. And that's if the heart with the swords through it that's what it's set up as is the three of swords <laughs> didn't you say you had to point you pointed that out to so to the so actor dimmond yeah. who's the actor i can't I remember know. his name I don't know. anthony dimmond thirsty scarf dad thirsty scarf dad was at the um the red dragon con that we went to and i had my tarot cards with me and i usually get them all signed by the people now there wasn't an anthony dimmond card but there was a three of swords mm-hmm. that looked exactly like it so i was like oh i'm gonna get him to sign it and um he was kind of like, why am I signing this too? <laughs> <laughs> he did not understand. And I was like, it's you. That, that's how your corpse ended up. He's like, oh. And then he, he signed it. But I think he was like <laughs> confused to the bitter end. That man, <laughs> he, you know, he warmed up to it by the end of the, he did. <laughs> uh, the end. I think, I think he had a good glass of wine in his hand the entire weekend. I think he'd really, I remember seeing him in like the last whatever 
yeah. talk and he seemed way more relaxed and yeah. slightly less confused. Yeah. <laughs> he was very confused on Friday. Oh, I thought Justin, you had a comment. No, it's picking up. Uh, the heart stag thing. I was kind of trying to think about it a little bit more this time instead of just being like, well, that's cool. <laughs> and kind of fucked up looking. And we've talked about the the stag as being like, people talk about it's Hannibal's influence on Will. And it's Will's actual better nature in comparison to the Wendigo. And I wonder, like, maybe this sort of monstrous stag thing is mm. kind of a amalgamation of all of those. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, Will in this, it shows him watching the stag die in the beginning in the Mizumuno. Right. And this is sort of this fucked up version of it coming back to life. It's. I think it's really like a fucked up baby. <laughs> Which seems so much like that, like like a horror trope, you know, like the weird fucked up baby that's like born out of like evil or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's what I felt like. To me. They age too fast and talk, <laughs> and it's gross. Yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. yeah. And they crawl on the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember there's like I said of the things in Hannibal that make me a little freaked out. There's not a ton of them, but this is one of them where I'm like, Ugh. and somebody, I wish I could remember who did a wind up toy mm. of that, of the stag. Mm. Yeah. It's Mm-mm. super fucking creepy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nay. We say Justin. Nay. Shan't. <laughs> we shan't have Nay. one. <laughs> shan't have wind up stags. No. Crawling across the table. Nope. I don't like things wind up toys anyway. Um, is this the part where you can't read your notes? I can Amy? read my notes, but it'll make Everyone sense. Everyone, take a drink. Take a drink. <laughs> I this is right before they show those back to back comparisons of Will and Abigail, and I just have things like. Oh, where they're fixing him and then they're preparing right. her for, yeah, they're pre- preparing her corpse. I think it's his last, it's his last talk with her when mm. he finally admits that she's not real. Mm-hmm. But I have such points as hot disheveled Hannibal. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's lurking behind. Oh, yeah. the Up in the balcony. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he looks very like disheveled and sad. And he's in that leather jacket. Fuck the, yes, uh. the leather fucking jacket. <laughs> I, I. I mean, when he's full of emotional pain, he just gets hotter. So, so painful. But yes, I too love that comparison. Those shots. It's gorgeous. And didn't you put in your notes what the, the song is? There's some sort of classical oh, piece I of music didn't, playing. But I thought about it really hard. <laughs> if you caught my likes. I, like, swear, I thought yeah, it was in there. But um, it's beautiful. It's like bloody and gross, but just gorgeous. It's one of, I, I think it's one of the scenes in all of Hannibal that I'm like, yeah, this is what Hannibal is. Mm-hmm. Well, it also, to me, um, it kind of, in a way, shows, I, this isn't necessarily a like theme of the show or anything, but it, like, the, the almost violence done to the body to save it and the, the violence but also care when you can't save it and you have to take care like all these things of like stitching people together in various ways and preparing them and all this equipment and everything like hard stuff that's done to the body but in a way i mean i guess both of them they're both a way of caring of either 
um, repairing or taking care of something. And I think about like they do, it shows them like embalming Abigail, Mm -hmm. but in a way for who, right? She doesn't have any family. She doesn't have anybody at that point. Um, I, I, yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, I'm guessing that they, I mean, you don't ever find out what, like, where is she buried? Which maybe there's extended family, none of that stuff. Like, yeah. they show all that. And I don't know if they, if they used, um, if she did her own scenes there or mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll look it up, see if I can find it out. But I was like, that just seems like it'd be really hard to have to lay there and have all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> done to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it so encapsulates like the visuals of Hannibal and also the theme of just like how everybody's really broken mm-hmm. and some people never get put back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the equipment that's used too is sort of slightly rusty and old and mm. weird in it, which is, I don't know. The whole thing is Well, and the sets are all Hannibal. very, they are not. Again, the lighting's dark. Like if you were, I'm assuming I have, from what I've seen, like these spaces are usually going to be like, very light right. and well lit right. and all those and they make both of them equally as dark mm-hmm. and sort of claustrophobic i mean in that mm-hmm. way practical side you don't have to shoot a big set yeah but narratively it pulls all that focus in mm-hmm. yes i really i really and that's the i remember seeing that for the first time and being like fuck she's actually <laughs> dead fuck <laughs> damn it like damn it i really hope she'd made it um, and then we get uh, the scene in the crypt, which they said really was not that big. They just kept shooting it them turning just, corners. Yeah, they're just walking around like one little section. Crypt, Did yeah. they use an actual crypt? For no, it? I think they built that. Damn. But that's why they built it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So they could just sort of walk around. I'm like, well, I'm like how did nobody set themselves on fire with any of those candles? <laughs> um, but I very much like the shifts in the camera work there. The yeah. like hunting and seeking sort of. Mm-hmm. Thing. Will, Will flips his collar up. And then we know Dark Will has arrived. Like, like the Burberry coat model he yes. is. I actually have your <laughs> collar up. Dark Will. <laughs> Two exclamation points. Dark, Dark Will. Will. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's. You know, that end there where he tells Hannibal he forgives him. Mm. It's like, you know, was Hannibal about to take him out before he said that? Oh. I don't think so. I mean, I think Hannibal is like already watching and waiting him. Like you said, he'd been there for a while. Mm-hmm. So he's probably like, hmm, what's up with this? Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder, do you think that at that point, Will really forgives Hannibal? Oh, or is he using it still to kind of like just yeah. get? I think he really does. I think, um, I don't think Will knows exactly what he's doing yet, but mm-hmm. I think he's completely in it to win it. Like I said, been through a death initiation, yeah. been transformed and changed by Hannibal, and um, is is Dark Will. <laughs> Well, later he tries to stab him, and I think that's maybe in the next episode. Yeah, but that's because just Will's just an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like, think, I don't think that Will stabs him later on because out of some sort of like I'm going to get justice for all mm-hmm. these people that you killed. I don't think that has anything to do with it anymore. 
But it can also be the thing maybe of like, Will can forgive Hannibal, but it doesn't mean he like absolves him of everything he's done. Right. And it doesn't mean he's not going to make his life real difficult right. for a while. He's like, fuck you, you fucking asshole. Yeah. So, I mean, someone could write a whole paper on forgiveness and Hannibal. and They probably have. Yeah. <laughs> if you've written that paper about forgiveness and Hannibal, please let us know. We'd like You're, to read right. it. Right. Because there's all this discussion with um, Jack's wife, too, about forgiveness and, mm. you know, earlier on. Well what that means and what it doesn't mean. Shit, what was I just thinking? Um, oh, I can't remember. Only about Will being angry. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it does make for a great, like, that's a, like a fantastic, they do always pretty much nail the ending on these, but oh, it was a good ending. It was a really good ending. And poor lonely Hannibal just down there by himself. <laughs> He's gonna go home to Bedelia and be like, Bedelia, let me tell you what we all, what Will did today. But it was like, you're like, fuck. Let me, let me make a drink. <laughs> I gotta make a drink first. <laughs> and don't think about this. First of all, he's wearing this coat with the collar on. <laughs> was it in? No, it wasn't in this. It was in Gavia's video where uh, she talks about the. Um, uh, portrayal the of Hannibal in the in line with like a vampire of mm. the rich old world European mm-hmm. and the yeah and it, and all these like night scenes and everything it just really kind of hammers at home. <sighs> Somebody give Maz a role as Dracula, please, at some point. <laughs> Anybody? Did you know him? He'd end up being like, "Oh, I'll be in your Twilight remake, sure." <laughs> We'll be like, no, that's that's not yeah. how you do this. <laughs> Sparkle me up, cash the check. Not how you do this? It's <laughs> not how you. It's not what we meant. <laughs> no, we're supposed to be wearing waistcoats and velvet and hotness. Oh, he would. He'd be like, do I get to do some martial arts? <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Is it somewhere sunny so I can get a tan? I can already hear cool. the interview. I've always loved vampire movies. <laughs> I read these books as a child. I actually didn't realize until somebody posted on Twitter that there is an official Instagram account for him. Mm -hmm. That I guess he occasionally does Instagram stories for or something. Really? Maybe. It seemed like somebody was saying he'd done like an Instagram story. I thought it was... Just like an official fan page. Uh, no, it- it's official. I follow it, but it's, yeah. You can tell when he posts stuff. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's out of focus. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what does this mean? What was the picture somebody had just posted on Twitter of him, like, holding up curly puppy dog? That's his dog. That's his dog. Uh, messy? M-E-S-S-I. After the soccer player. After the soccer or, player. sorry, the football. The football player. Yeah, yes. Which, incidentally, now I'm getting on Twitter, like, um, on my feed, stuff about, like, football. <laughs> <laughs> because isn't his face mask also, like, yes. Messi's team's yeah, yeah. thing? You know how I know these? Mino from Shiny, I think, is also... I don't know if he's a Messi fan, but he's a big football fan. Right. So, And I think has gone to see that team... Anybody, anybody who pays attention to this is currently dying. We apologize. Um, not only do we not know anything about football slash soccer, 
Baltimore doesn't really have we have a team, but we die. like a like a football team that's a European football team. Well, we have a soccer team. Oh, okay. I think that isn't that the Baltimore Blast. What? <laughs> We're a Baltimore based family <laughs> podcast, but we don't know about our own. So- Is that like Baja team? Blast? <laughs> Is that one of the drinks that you would get at the Baja Beach Club or whatever it was? No, I think they sell it at Taco Bell. Oh. Well, I haven't been to Taco Bell probably a decade. You have to ask Justin about that okay. one. He's the Taco Bell person in our house. I don't know. But uh, I'm just trying to come up with some sort of sports. I'm making sure Mom Cat does not step on the laptop. God, Lord. Um, but they're also, I am watching a... a Korean drama that is on Netflix right now called, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Neveria. Mm-hmm. And it is about a guy who is uh, studying to be a ballet dancer. And his best friend is really, like, Messi is his best friend's, like, favorite soccer player. Oh. And the guy, like, works a shitty job to save up money to, like, go see a game. Like, Aww. go to, I think, Italy and see a game. And, and then it's disappointed because he's like, Messi didn't even score any shots, like, in the is that what they're called shot i don't know in the game but you goals, know what he can't goals, goals. He like but everybody can't make it all the time like right. sometimes it's not gonna happen. it's like a lesson he's imparting to his friend but so that was that's my that's nice other people have sports fandoms or whatever yeah i mean hockey <laughs> fandom's real big justin was saying that they he saw something on line i don't know <clears throat> when it was from but it was about a guy a black guy who had didn't really know, had never really heard of hockey mm-hmm. and kind of discovered hockey and then was utterly delighted at hockey. Mm. And like whatever hockey team was like, you want to come see us play? And I think like sent him a jersey or something. And of course I was like, so has he heard about Gritty? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because that's the next step. That's all I know about hockey is Gritty. That's all you need to know is Gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, but just still reading the Gritty fix and <laughs> Fanable Fest was one of the best moments of that entire weekend. <laughs> so good. So, um, I think if there was anything else about Primavera you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, that is, like, boom. That's the ending. Mic drop. It's just going to get more chaotic <laughs> from here. How many? So, there's 13 episodes mm-hmm. in the season. Is it seven of them in Italy and six of them Red Dragon? Yeah, I think Red Dragon starts on episode eight, if I okay. remember correctly. Cool. Um but my favorite one coming up is the one at Muskrat Farm. Mm. It's the one I most watch over again. Because you like to see Matt's it's tied up. insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is oh, insane. yeah. And yeah, Matt's is also tied up. Yes. But there's many options if you want to watch Matt's being tied up. <laughs> many. Many <laughs> options. Um, so for our recommendations, I had something that came out. I guess it's been about a year and a half now. And I so this is from my... Uh, my recommendation from when we recorded this previously, but mm. I read it this time. <clears throat> the book A Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker, who is a Baltimore-based author. Uh, and the little bl- blurb says, after a global pandemic makes public gatherings illegal and concerts impossible, except for those willing to break the law for the love of music and the one chance at human connection. Um, so it's about uh, sort of an up-and-coming rock musician. Mm. Uh, and who is literally on tour when some what seems to be domestic terrorist incidents happen in the United States at the same time that something very similar to what we're going through now as wow. a pandemic hits. 
like literally a pandemic of like flu like things that mm. I think, and this is more deadly, um, hits and then basically cannot be a live musician. Mm-hmm. And in it, I think it's sent set. Shoot, I can't remember. It's within 10 years of it happening. Um, the perspective is between that character and a young woman who has kind of grown up most of her life in this world where people don't gather. Um, everything is sort of like, it's sort of Amazon, Walmart gone, super intense. Wow. And they talk about places like when you go to like a fast food restaurant or you go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. it's probably controlled by this company Mm. and like when you go in you don't sit in a restaurant you like go to your table which is almost like your little cube Mm -hmm. and you know the food is all the same and her breaking out of that sort of uh, like her parents had bought a farm and were basically like we're gonna go be independent and live on a Mm -hmm. farm and i know there's a lot of back to land stuff happening right now Mm. and they're really scared for her going to like out into the world yeah um she gets a job with the entertainment side of this conglomerate and they where they go out and scout because they're kind of like well we have to somehow have new talent in order to do these virtual concerts and release music for people and she becomes a scout to like find people in new places so she they, they do it is set partially in baltimore huh but it was good i was afraid it was going to be really like bleak mm-hmm. but it was less because there's less of the like the world is fucking falling apart uh-huh. and there's like a little bit of intro and then there's like this the future storyline that happens oh. which is kind of nice because i loved the book station 11 mm-hmm. but there's a lot of bit of like when a massive pandemic hits the world and people are just dying everywhere wow. and that was a little that one still sort of makes me panicky yeah understandable yeah because i keep being like what would i do in this situation and I, all i can come back to is just lay down and die i don't care <laughs> And I'll be known as Helicon One. Yes. yes. <laughs> Justin's like, I'm going to join the traveling uh, bards, the music yeah. that these Shakespeare and Shakespeare oh. group and, and musicians where they end up all the people are known. We do Shakespeare like, to bring them in for our originals. Well, no, no. In that they say they try doing originals and modern stuff and find that the people that they travel to enjoy Shakespeare the most. Have you ever read that book? No. I want to try oh. episodes of Friends. Reimagined. No, no. Nobody ever needs to watch Friends. Um, you should read... I think you would like Station Eleven. If Who's you could, it by? I cannot remember the it's author's okay. name. I will... I'll, I'll ask you again after we podcast. And, yes. But um, I'll send you a link. Yeah, so. I was Emily just... Emily St. John Mandel. Oh, I was just thinking of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead when you started traveling Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I know people probably like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> so that's the modern one that you can throw in there. But it is... It's about... It is about a global pandemic, and then I think that twenty years down the line, mm. when and it's something that's much deadlier and takes down like basically everything. Wow, you know the grid goes down, people mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. geographically dislocated, yeah. like all this stuff, and there's sort of a, a messianic guy who's like self-styled messianic oh. religious leader has a part in it, okay. and people who end up living in an airport because that's where they ended up before all the planes wow. were grounded, like. Yeah, it's a good book, but a little like, whoo, rough. <laughs> so that was my recommendation from. Oh, and I have from a year ago, <laughs> from a year ago, 
actually, he stopped. So I was going to recommend Tommy Link's trash cast. And I believe he stopped recording this um, in April of last year when COVID hit. Um, it's funny, though, you can go back and listen to episodes and they're still freaking hysterical. Um, and he's doing a Bridgerton podcast now. <laughs> That's really, really funny. I'm not familiar <laughs> with him. Is he the guy who's the actor who's in Buffy? Yes, he was um uh the blonde character the, the uh, one of the three evil yes. guys yes. evil nerd guys andrew andrew he was andrew um he is hysterical he is also known for being tilda swinton he had a tilda swinton <laughs> stage play um that i think he debuted in um at the edinburgh fringe fest um and he still does tilda swinton occasionally um he also does he'll take runway um or red carpet photos of people and then recreate them with shit he's got around in the house (laughs) trash bags and post-it notes (laughs) and post them to his instagram and it's hysterical um so yeah he's got a bridgerton podcast now and the funniest thing that just had me out um and, and it's on his youtube is he does this eileen's glue uh origin story (laughs) the craft glue (laughs) the craft glue that um there's probably like three things of it upstairs <laughs> in my office it's really fucking funny but he's hysterical um and yeah so cool i recommend everything he does <laughs> justin do you have any recommendations nope i am not prepared <laughs> justin did not do the homework which was very last minute and it was basically midweek and i was like wait we need to record yeah, come on covid self-care Okay. You just, don't need to produce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in self-care is not having links. Uh, so yeah, I think that's it. So we are excited to be back on our sort of regularly scheduled and yes themed things. I'm looking forward to the chaos of this season of Hannibal. It's so good. It is. I, I do think at this point it was like, shit is just really happening. <laughs> Like, really haven't. And I could see, like you said, why some people bailed and thought it was. Yeah. Pig babies. More pig babies. <laughs> Richard Armitage and tiny little short. Like I said, I still, I still was like, I don't know why when you were like, it's Italy. And then Richard Armitage running around in his underwear. And I was like, so he's like an Italian pool boy? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that would be the crossover to end all crossovers. Sorry, I was just thinking about how he was in Street or Space Sweepers. Oh, I haven't seen that you yet. Oh, you still haven't seen Space Sweepers? Space yeah, let's Sweepers recommend Space Sweepers. Great. It's fun. Yeah, we're, Justin and I are going to dual recommend Space Sweepers, which is a Korean science fiction film. Um, It is... <laughs> Richard Armitage is in it. Looking very dowdy mm. actually and i knew he was in it at the last minute like they didn't say he was in it. like the preview stuff is very limited for this um but it is about it is set in a time when you know the earth has become almost unsustainable for people to live on people live out in space and the main characters are this found family crew of scrappers who you know fight with other people to pick up tr- space trash and at some point end up finding a little girl who may or may not also be like a biological weapon. Mm. And the main character uh, had a kid who died and 
there is a lot of trauma. Like his whole entire crew of people has a lot of trauma. And Richard Armitage is this sort of Elon Musk, Bezos character who is like, we're going to terraform shit where the right people get to live there. Mm. And it's about kind of taking him down. And it's, I love it because there's this, it's set in an international kind of space where Mm -hmm. there's, you know, crews from all over these different countries and we're watching it. And I was like, something I find really funny about the Korean media that I've interacted with is like, all the parts, like the ship is great. The... Sorry, Rangers finished his bone and is now yelling. A dog walked by. Oh, a dog walked by the house. It's okay, buddy. Ranger, is this the bonus part of the episode? Yes. <laughs> this is the bonus part. So, like, the all the parts with, like, the Korean cast mm-hmm. is great. Sometimes the parts with the not, like, particularly the white people, they're like, yeah, this is good enough. <laughs> It's like, the acting's not great. Richard Armitage does a great job. Yeah. There's a guy who I'm like, oh, it's that white guy they use as the white guy in Korean dramas oh. who's, like, not that great. Um, <laughs> some of the lightings for the scenes of some of the other crew, it's like, they'll really get the, like, grungy, gritty feeling of the main crew. And then there's, like, these other people. I'm like, the lighting and the costumes are not real great at <laughs> this point. Or their their dialogue is, like just really basic huh. and um but it's not enough to take away from the film it's mm-hmm. just kind of funny mm-hmm. so i i we really enjoyed it i'll have to watch it i said i think justin you watched the whole thing without getting distracted the entire time not true oh you did get distracted <laughs> i always am distracted but, but you sat on the couch the entire time you didn't get up and leave yeah it, it kept me down yeah yeah um <laughs> And we proceeded to, like, talk about it on and off for a couple weeks. Mm. So, yes, Space Weavers, it's probably still on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it's dubbed, but I know it's subtitled. And Don't watch things dubbed anyways. No, I don't. I don't. Um, the I think in the crew, the main characters, the captain, I think, is the same actress who was in The Handmaiden. She was the handmaiden. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same actress. Cool. Um, and the kid is fucking fantastic. Stinking and adorable. I am a little like kids and stuff. She is amazing and cute. So yes, there. That's our last recommendation. That was Justin's, but I talked about it. <laughs> that's Mom Cat. <laughs> If Momcat's going to climb under the table, Momcat's going to get squished a little bit. So she makes noises. She makes great cat noises. Yeah, she's not in any sort of pain or anything. When you hear that, we literally pick her up and just squeeze her ever so slightly. <laughs> and she whines. Uh, so, yeah. So you can visit us at headfullofhannibal.com, headfullofhannibal on Tumblr and Instagram, and headfullofhanny on Twitter. And you can contact us any of those places, or you can email us at headfullofhannibal at gmail.com, which we have not put on any of our social media. Oh, we should do one of those link tree things the kids <laughs> oh, have yeah. these days. I'd like to point out for our regular listeners that we no longer have the voicemail. Uh, do not look it up and call it or leave a voicemail message because you'll get a text back saying, please delete this number. <laughs> yes, yes, that happened. <laughs> Sorry. Ranger, do you? I don't know what he's doing. Anyway, so yeah, we will plan on being back on a somewhat regular yes. basis now. Let's do it. I mean, we might be getting vaccinated, but we still don't have any social lives. 
there's still nowhere to go. I know. We can still hang out with each other, though. So, um, yeah. And it's uh, it's fun, like, kind of seeing the light at the end of our recapping tunnel. And, but hopefully that is the site of the oncoming season four train. God, that would be amazing. Choo-choo. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. So thanks for joining us. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.